0: Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between.
1: We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we
0: can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is is to to have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, I am the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is the legend, Carrie, and Jason, the favorite. I, the, also the only
2: one wearing his HLG convention shirt.
0: My favorite part about that was that you had to look at your shirt to read it to see what it was. I can't remember. I knew it was a convention shirt, <laughs> and it
2: was orange, so they narrowed it way down. Awesome. I just want to remind y'all that you should be wearing those They're super comfortable, and most... Well,
1: maybe if we had been sent one. Carrie would. doesn't have one.
2: Uh, you didn't get one? No. no.
0: I have one. I have one. But why yes, didn't you get one, get one for Carrie? Because you got it for me. So why didn't you get one for Carrie? Why didn't you get one for Carrie if I got one for you? Because I wasn't buying one for myself, so I wasn't going to buy one for my wife. You're too cheap. Phew. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, before we get into gaming, let's get a report on our Patreon backers. <clears throat> we have a Patreon. We do. And it helps to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Keeps the show on the air, pays for the equipment and the the site Bandwidth. fees and bandwidths, right? And all right. that stuff. And uh, you, if you're a patron at patreoncom slash podcast. thank you. You can get free stuff from us, like high fives. If you see me in
2: public and you're one of our patrons, just say, "Hey, I'm one of your patrons," and I'll give you a high five. Yeah. If I find out that you lied to me, however. You will regret it. <laughs> we'll
1: say mean things.
2: Mean, mean things. Mean. Yes, I'll say mean things. That's it.
0: Yes. Because yeah. it's... Well, one of the other free things you can get is a shout-out every week on the podcast. Ah! So, Carrie, yes,
1: who's sh-
0: out. first backer that gets a shout-out?
1: Uh, it's, it's Joel. Joel Eastland.
0: Jason, who's our second? Ryan Martin. Our third is Drew Stevens. Lost Colonies LARP
2: is next, run mm-hmm. by the illustrious... Joe Hines,
0: Esquire.
1: What about Noah Coltrip?
0: What about Noah Coltrip? I'm glad you asked. You know, it just so happens that Noah enjoys our podcast because there's a good focus on developing characters rather than just developing powers. This episode's for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, also, uh, I'm, I'm friends with
0: Noah. I'm with really? tonight. He's, oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, cool. He's generally unlucky with dice, you know. It makes him kind of an unpredictable character in his games. Uh, So he tends to to sink a little bit more into the world itself and the interactions he has rather than what he can kill or control. Because Uh, he's going to fail. Yeah, so, you know, actually, his characters really thrive where the least number of dice are involved. I mean, you'd think this would make him like a shoe in for the mouthpiece of the party, but he actually tends to take too long with conversations. Uh, I like this one. (laughs) Carrie?
1: I, I'm not the mouthpiece. No, right? no. there is what? one more Patreon. There's one oh, more Patreon. There's, there's, I mean, I didn't forget about her. I could never forget about Sarah.
0: Well, if you'd like a shout out, we'd love to give you one. And you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by going to patreon.com slash honor roll podcast. Don't when, forget, free hugs. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting at this table recording a podcast. Time has passed. What have you been doing, Carrie? Uh,
2: coughing. Oh, no, not again. Yeah, I'm still sick. How's your shoulder doing? My shoulder
1: is messed up. I'm in physical therapy now for it. and That's
2: good. I, I mean, I just... it's good that you're in physical therapy yeah, for yeah, it.
1: Yeah, so like, I'm just kind of like a big old mess.
2: You out of the octagon for a while. No more MMA.
1: No. Oh. Yeah. It took me a second to figure out what you're talking about, so I was just <laughs> like,
2: oh,
0: yeah. Too many blows is... to the head. What about you, Jason? What have you been up to? Well, let's see. As far as uh,
2: role-playing stuff is concerned, I've been slowly going through the Nero rulebook again. It's been a long time since I've read it. And uh, the main reason, and the most important reason why I bring it up, is because we are looking to get into Boffer LARPing again. And it's difficult to take a whole weekend away from my son as, like, a monthly thing. Because, you know, I have to miss enough time because of work anyway, so... My preference is to be able to bring him. Right. And the only games that allow that are like Dagohir, which is a ton of fun of a combat game, right? But I'm not a combat game guy. Right. I'm, I want to role play. Uh, and Nukalana, which looks really cool. But again, it's more of a combat game. Uh, though their uh, costuming is top-notch just from the pictures I've seen. So Nero Atlanta is the only game locally that I can find that's more on the role-play side that allows uh, anybody under 16 or 16 to 18. Right. So it looks like it's probably our best choice. Now, How old is he? I, he's 13. Okay. But they allow 13-year-olds to attend with a, with a parent. With a parent. Yeah. And then 14-year-olds can engage... can can basically do whatever an adult can, within reason, you know. Okay. So at 13, he just is hanging out. He's hanging out. There's some engagement, but I have to figure out, you know, that's part of what I'm reading for. Right. And what I'm disappointed in is because while there's tons of people who have a lot of fun paying Nero, it has a 140-page rule book plus a couple of more adeniums that are things like racial characteristics and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just a lot of reading and memorization that, Mm. you know... But it has the one big thing going for it in that it will let me bring my family. Right. So, LARPs out there, think about the fact that there's a market for it. Yeah. So, what have you been doing, Ryan?
0: You know, I've not been up to a whole lot lately, but I did. This is kind of interesting. uh, I signed up for the July Summer 2019 RPG Writer Workshop. Oh, that's cool. So there's a website, RPGWriterWorkshop.com, and mm-hmm. during the month of July, they are doing, like, uh, it's a workshop to, like, help you write the game or the module that you have always wanted to write. And I thought, you know, I'm... That's what you're doing. I'm doing really well, and I'm I feel confident in what I've done, but... Uh, it's being done by someone named Ashley Warren, who uh, was with, with Wizards of the Coast and has written a bunch of stuff. Uh, is one of the best sellers in the, the DMs Guild on RPG and stuff. Uh, so it's somebody who knows what they're talking about. And I thought, I will find something of value here.
2: Yeah. Wouldn't it be uh, dumb
0: to think, me, a
2: person who, while I've played games forever, and I've certainly written a bunch of content can't learn something from a
0: guy who makes his living doing it exactly right uh and so uh so i've and it's you know there were two levels of it there's a free one and then a level that's like 30 bucks where you get a couple of extra perks i just did the free one but uh i'm gonna it it's enough it's it will be uh you know I'm, i'm convinced there will be something that will be interesting or helpful there and, and, and I'm excited about it.
1: And, you know, if, if you get a lot from this, there's nothing that says if they do it again, you can't do the $30 one. Yeah,
0: like next year. I maybe could, you could get an interview with yeah. the guy running it. Ooh. Well, I, I could, but she would probably be upset if I kept saying it was a guy. You said Ashley, and I assumed, sorry. <laughs> no, I, so that's fair. My, the uh, Ashley Rayburn is who is helping design my game, and that Ashley is a boy. Mm-hmm. But this is a This is a girl.
2: Actually. Okay, so this Ashley, you should interview her. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that it's would be possible.
0: fun. Uh, kind of excited about our topic today. And so, so you wrote the notes this time. What's it about? Because you know excited. I do not read the notes. Noah's excited about today's uh, episode as well because mm-hmm. it focuses on power gaming. Oh. And how you hate it. I didn't say that. What did you say? Do we need to get into it? To figure yeah, out let, what let's, you feel how about, about we and...
1: just like, get into it? Okay, let's get
0: into it. it. All right, let's go to combat, combat Rounds. Welcome to Combat Rounds. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, dear. <laughs> Today's topic actually is a direct result of last week's show. So it's about goat mark? Well, last week at Goat LARP, you interviewed Bob Spurkoff. Oh, the Dead Man's Hand guy. Yeah. Well, more than that, more He's, than that. Hey I always, I always think the, of Bob as the underground theater founder guy. Yeah. But he also was one of the founders of the Dead Man's Hand.
1: And Bob's my favorite name for any NPC. That
0: that's is true. Yeah, it's a good name. Yeah, yes. It's true. I'm going to start real quick by just beginning with the Dead Man's Hand. The Dead Man's Hand is kind of like considered... The Power Coterie. It's a, certainly in One World by Night. Uh, but it's infamous mm-hmm. in that if you are a member of any LARP organization, you have heard of the Dead Man's Hand. Well, World of Darkness LARP organizations. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, World of Darkness organization. For f- folks at home that don't know, uh, a coterie is just like a pack or a group or a, a party, uh, a collection of individuals who are bound by, you know, honor and blood.
1: In theory, Friendship. Or something. Right.
0: In Vampire, it's called a coterie. And this was a group of players from, I want to say they were based like out of Wisconsin. Yes. And they basically built a coterie that was, uh, it was power gamed in a way that enabled them to sort of become infamous for running the entire in-character org on some sort of puppetrying across the state's way. And if you listen to Bob's interview, some of that was sort of unintentional. A lot of it was unintended. They didn't
2: realize that they had taken over everything and that some or maybe even many people felt like it was a bad thing.
0: And, And in fact, today they are still a subject of controversy because there are some who believe that they were fine. And there are other people who believe that the dead man's hand is like the worst of LARP. Yeah. I never actually interacted with them. I so I kind of fall in that world where like I don't know what they were except that I recognize how they could be either of those two things. Did you
2: have any experiences with them, Carrie?
1: I had very minimal experience. I I was more like see the thing was when I was gaming at the same time that they were gaming. Right. I was a cute skinny little girl.
2: Right. <laughs> like,
1: I got away with a lot of stuff by <laughs> by batting. Well, you know I mean that's what it is. So like I was never attacked. Or really had to do much, but I did see get pe- people get rolled. Sure. that right. Like, it was out of the blue, and it felt like, whoa, this So,
0: the thing that Bob said that I had never thought about was Bob expressed the fact that the formation of the Dead Man's Hand was not actually about power or power gaming or working the mechanics. It was actually about enabling him to... Role play with opportunities that he was interested in role playing because they didn't exist before, and that blew my mind. Specifically, what Bob had said was he he said that he wanted to play a game where he could be, for example, a negotiator, a so diplomat, he, a diplomat. So he wanted to be able to take like the prince of the vampires into the back room and negotiate on behalf of other vampires and mm. and things like that. And what he found was when he came in with his brand new little itty bitty baby sheet, you know, at the start of of the game that. Uh, that he couldn't even get the prince's attention, right. let alone get the prince in a back room to have a conversation or even get to a point where he could negotiate. Right. And then they killed their first character and right. suddenly those doors opened. Because they knew you were serious and you had something to back it up with. Right. That was something that had never occurred to me. This idea that, you know, well, wait a minute, power gaming doesn't, isn't always just, you know, a bad player playing badly. Taking over the game with malicious intent. So I thought, let's talk about the anatomy of the power gamer today. Okay, let's talk about it. So, first up, can, can we just define what a power gamer is for folks who are okay. listening that maybe aren't familiar? Well, let's hear your definition. definition. I stole this, I, I rewrote it a little bit, but. Uh, so, m- you're
1: power podcasting?
0: Right. Okay. Uh, or or more like lazy DMing. Lazy yeah. DMing? No, this is a pretty common definition, yeah. though, I found everywhere. So, power gaming is a style of role play with the aim of maximizing progress towards a specific goal. Typically in a role-playing game, it's concentrated on character sheet mechanics, but it's not always solely restricted to the character sheet. Right. I've known some vampire players who in in many ways were min-maxers
2: because they were extremely intense at negotiating boons. So they had all this social capital, but it wasn't reflected on their sheet necessarily. It's just that they had managed... To turn it into a big thing. Now, part of that is just good roleplay,
0: right? But if you collect, then, if you were to collect enough of the right kinds of boons, that is just as powerful to smite someone as actually having the the physical traits on your sheet to smite someone. Yeah, else. and and to, to define boons for people who don't play vampire, it's
2: essentially a favor that you're owed that they are mechanically encouraged to repay. It's a currency. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, power gaming can also happen in mush.
0: A lot. Um, actually, so, for example,
1: oh, I, it's actually called power posing.
0: <laughs> oh, um, I think I get it. Let's. Is it using? It's using grammar instead of the sheet.
1: Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but a lot of times, even when roles don't happen, I mean, you can also power game a sheet and sure. mush if there is a sheet. But if there isn't a sheet, it's just about maneuvering maneuvering your character in your pose in such a way that you always win, or you always get the result that you want to have it's not always a bad thing but if you don't communicate with other people in the game or people aren't all on the same level it it's it's kind of it's power gaining
0: it could be as simple as just uh in a mush your pose could simply say he grabs you by the shoulder and pulls you a few feet to the side so that he can have a conversation with you in privacy as the person who typed that pose i'm not giving the character that i grabbed the opportunity to not be grabbed
2: and so that means they're afraid to, like, break play, to keep... Like, I have to say, no, 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 no. I,
1: yeah, that's like not what I yeah. said. That's not what
0: I wanted. Would, my character would yeah. not allow you and to and then me.
1: suddenly, because that's, that's an out of character, a little bit of a manipulation... So it breaks. ...to do that, because then you have to go, no, no, you have to rewrite your pose, because I wouldn't go with you. Right. And a lot of times, people don't want to...
0: It's intimidating. It's
1: intimidating to have to tell someone no. Rewrite that because I wouldn't also, do that.
2: You don't want to be the person who says no to everything,
1: right? And, and so you got to be careful in a in a mush to not. Uh be overpowering or if i mean if that's your know that people are calling you a power gamer
0: (laughs) right so uh in in tabletop games power gaming is also sometimes referred to as min maxing Mm. so i feel confident most people know what min maxing is Mm -hmm. but that's when you are putting the statistics on the stats on your sheet in such a way that like for example if i'm going to be a If I'm going to be the fighter in the group, then I'm going to make sure that the 18 that I rolled is going to go to strength strength, and I'm going to make sure that all of the freebie points I have are going to go towards my, uh, you know, whatever my blade skill is and all of my weapon proficiencies are going to fall in the blade that I use and stacking all of those things in a way that fully maximizes my character's successes and success possibilities. Right. When I was in the old cam, we called it cheese digging. It is cheese I dick. I don't know where that comes from, but it's, it, it's cheese. so well. cheese. dicking comes from uh being a dick in a cheesy way. It comes from uh the worst of the power gamers. It it really that that's a phrase that comes from uh that was first used against people who were really just like crappy players. Also, if you've ever had cheese dick, it's bad. It is bad. I've never so, had cheese dick. Yeah. Okay, then okay. you're very lucky. All right, well, the, the other thing that I want to note is that, uh, just before we get any further, is that, um, at its core, power gaming itself is not specifically bad or evil. It's okay. just a-, a tool. It's just it's a, t- a, tool. It's
1: a tool. You're a tool. Whoa. You're a tool.
0: To, to kind of explore that, let's, let's talk about the causes. What causes power gaming? Well, you know, in Bob's case, it feels to me like his was caused by the, the system itself.
2: When you say that... I agree, yeah. Because mechanically... In Vampire the Masquerade... If you start a, a base character, which is, you know, like, like you said, 753, which if you play Vampire, you understand, that's the very lowest it's a baby attributes vampire. that you have. It's a yeah. baby vampire. So mechanically, you're extremely weak compared to even somebody who's only been playing for a year. Right. So if you want to come in and play somebody who has a little bit of
0: social standing, you can't. Right. Or you come in and you're just completely powerless. You have nothing to back up your mouth. Right. And everybody knows it. And that happens in tabletop as well. That's not just LARP. That's any vampire or really any World of Darkness game. Or any game in which power grows over time and you're starting at a place where other people aren't. It's sort of like if you were playing a Dungeons and Dragons game and, and everybody has been playing for six months and let's say you're all at level eight. Or nine, you mm-hmm. know, and then one of, the char- one of the characters dies and the DM has him roll up a new character and then doesn't level him up to the same level as everybody else. Right. And some people do that. And some people do that, but it creates a weird power vacuum where this level one guy is having to, to party along with these level eight characters and it, it's difficult. All
1: right, I know I've said this before, but my my original dungeon master, he would do the opposite and it infuriated our table so much.
2: Wait, so if you died, you started to level up ahead of everybody?
1: No. He would knock everyone down. Oh, that's right. That's so weird. It's so, like I had played Dungeons and Dragons for years, and I was like, level 10? What's that?
0: <laughs> <sighs> there are other systems that encourage power game, too. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition. Uh! Actually, it encouraged it. Uh, because there was a, there were sets of skills and feats and things that that you had you could to stack. you well not only could you stack them but you kind of had to like you be, had to be planning them planning your roadmap from the start well, like,
2: especially if you're in any kind of org play like uh, I
0: forget what it was called RPG Aven- adventures league adventures league things like that yes yeah so sometimes the the system itself you know it it encourages power gain. I would say any system in which mechanical competence is directly rewarded with power and. Player versus player or character versus character play also can encourage it. I won't go quite that far. I will say that it, it, it is a, a minor encouragement. It feels
2: bigger because almost every game in which you have PvP are ones in which mechanical dominance is possible. Right. If you're very good at spending your points and you've got more XP to them. For example, I used to play with people who are really, really great power gamers, and we could sit down and both make the same character. It would seem like exactly... But they would spend 15 or 20% of their points differently, and they could kill
0: me every time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Right. So what's another cause? You had said competition, player versus player. When you just get tired of losing. Yeah. is is kind of part of competition. It kind of comes back to what Bob said, too. Right. Uh, I I couldn't win the way I was playing. Yeah. And, And wanting to, it's also sometimes just wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know and that's that 's Bob really like right. vampires can 't affect things unless they 're feared or powerful that 's true in a lot of games that 's true in a lot of games yeah I've played in Boffer Larps
2: that were completely not towards p v p at all right, but if you had that one guy that you knew was willing to kind of cross that social boundary and threaten other players with a you know with real chance of them doing something about it, suddenly they picked up a ton of of social standing right.
1: Or I I do have a, a the opposite example. Sure, I had a player. I mean, this way back
0: in the, old, in the <laughs> olden days, back when you had to type uphill both directions Ooh. in your mush.
1: No, no, this was an LARP, and this player played very you know balls to the walls. He sure. was real you know, which is fine. Yes, but he lost about three or four times, like he lost characters uh-huh. three or four times in a row, and then he started power gaming his sheets cuz he went well I don't want to lose anymore mm-hmm. but he was very obviously doing that and the the other players were like no
0: no, <laughs> we're just not gonna play with you.
1: Well, not, not so much they didn't want to play with him, but they didn't let him do the things he wanted to do because he was being a jerk. They actually about kept
0: it. him down even more. Right. She's creating a circle. Yeah, a it,
1: yeah. It was a cycle, and like I remember, he came down here to visit us at some point and made a character and was playing with us, and he finally got into the position that he'd been wanting to get into for like ten years, and he was like, "I've done it." And I felt so bad because then like, he lost it right away because he was so intent on the power gaming and the importance of that title and getting that character in that position that he missed all of the role
2: play. I, I, I do want to say something from a power gaming perspective. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was playing a character in that game. I just yeah. figured out who yeah, you were talking yeah, I about. You like that. <laughs> and uh, that person asked me, how do you have all this stuff? Because mechanically, I was more powerful than them. Yeah. And I was like... People just give it to me,
0: (laughs) right? They've just been giving it to me.
1: And he could not understand that. Like, he actually got mad. Not at you. Right. But he was mad, and he actually came to me and goes, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I was just like, stop yelling, first of all. That's
0: what you're doing wrong. Yeah,
1: you're yelling at people and trying to intimidate and bully people out of character. What
0: you're doing wrong is presenting a front that tells people that... that You're desperate. You're desperate for those things, yeah.
1: You know... All right. I, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. It's okay. No, sorry. it's
2: not a tangent. It's very important because there, we we've been talking about power gaming and like why people do it, and that's a reason. This person felt like they couldn't mm-hmm. ever win, and it pushed them too far. Yeah, because we're not taking a stance on whether it's bad or not. We're taking a stance on hey, everything has a, its purpose, right? But you can't take anything too far. Yeah, yeah.
0: And 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 sometimes it can be by accident. There is a I, I, a fine line between optimizing your character sheet and power gaming it absolutely right mm-hmm. if i want my character to be like if, if the character i've created in my head is one who is super good with daggers then i'm going to uh, make sure that i have optimized the character sheet in such a way that he's good with daggers right and sometimes it's hard to tell when you have optimized something versus begun to power game it. Well, you know, for
2: example, me and Carrie played Lore Masters in the previous <laughs> UT Chronicle. Right. And we, we power gamed a little bit in that when we sat down and realized that we we're like, hey, we're both playing similar characters, we should make sure that our lores don't overlap too much. Right. So as a coterie, we'll have more fun. Right. And there was, there's a, there's a point where it could be considered power gaming and maybe even to the point where it's bad because we collaborated outside of game to make sure that we had more power in-game. I also think it depends on the How the,
1: the level and the number. Like, if our coterie had seven people and we all did that...
0: It would be bad, yeah. It would
1: be bad because then suddenly, literally, there is not a lore we don't know.
0: Yes. And at the end of the day, if somebody didn't like the fact that you guys had a bunch of lore, there was just two of you. They could roll you. Right. They mm-hmm. could roll us or they could just ignore us because right. it wasn't a completely unheard of skill. We all want our characters to be good at a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and And... So, you know, we do optimize our sheets for that. And you can't always tell when you've crossed that line to power gaming. Sometimes it's just, whoops. Here's our hot take on that, too. You'll have more fun if you're good at something. Right. (laughs) Every game
2: I've ever played that I've been good at something, Mm -hmm. I've had more fun.
1: Okay, but, like, this is what I tell my, my mush players as well, though. Is yes, be good at this thing and then be bad at something. Yes, else.
2: absolutely, you know, right. it, but not balanced. like a min max thing. No, no, like, no,
1: no. Like, like I actually make them choose a. It's not a flaw in the system, sure. but one one of the uh, a quirk. One of the quirks has to be a negative one. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh yeah. You get right. a lot of role play out you're, of that.
0: You're the world's greatest swordsman, but you are also a drunk, so yeah. or what whatever, it, right? Something to balance your character. So me and uh, Carrie's characters were both terrible at combat, so of course they kept
2: sending us on combat missions. Oh and God. so being bad at combat made those missions actually fun and scary. Right.
1: Like at one point we, we <laughs> at one point I was in a combat and they were like, "Aren't you going to do something?" And I just went, "No, I don't have anything to do. I <laughs> literally can't do anything."
0: <laughs> right. Oh. So anyway, and and it's it's again the other re- way it can be accidental too is some people just naturally think. Math, yeah, mm-hmm. and just naturally see these the patterns to mm-hmm. character creation. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh well, if I connect these two things, that makes that that works really well. I'm going to yeah. do that, you know, mm-hmm. and and sort of accidentally stumble into to it as well. That's typically where when I power game, it's usually there. Uh You know, I've I've accidentally stumbled on just like you well, know, if it, I stack it, three, three powers, I'm better at look it look at this <laughs> great combo move A B B A, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but on that same note, thinking about math and recognizing patterns, uh, th- that is also a, a reason people power game as well. Like, sometimes it's an intentional thing because I enjoy – like, like I've, I've known people who have reputations for being power gamers, and they became power gamers simply because the part of the game they enjoy the most is scouring through the rule books to find those combinations. Yeah. Like, the game – that's the game to them is they, figuring out how. I, I've
1: actually heard that referred to as breaking the game
0: right they want to break it
2: because that's where the fun is
0: yeah, yeah. What, yes. what, did,
1: what, did, what can I slip past
0: yeah. the challenge for what you is, is crying with an accent but the challenge for me is figuring out is figuring out how I can get 30 traits or yeah. 60 <laughs> skill points or whatever yeah you know uh, they feel like it's a challenge and, and uh, you know and, and getting the mechanical choices that support their character choices is, is how they mm. see it yeah you know so, what else? Any other reasons uh, we end up with power gamers? It's fun to win. They just enjoy success? Yeah. Yeah, people sometimes just want to want to really win, but also it could be because they find it not fun to lose.
1: And that is different.
0: I'm, I'm going to say
2: that I've been in some role-playing situations where I felt like me and this other person have the same points, but because they min-maxed, I feel like I have no choices. So, I'm... I, I don't know. There's just an anxiety to the fact that I'm sitting here and I don't get to make any decisions because they are. And that makes me want to build my next character so that that can't happen, which means min-maxing them. Right.
1: And that happens a lot of times. Sure, people's second characters are suddenly mechanically way better.
0: You know, yeah. sometimes they just take a photocopy of that guy who beat them. Yeah. <laughs> and and sometimes they're that's they're they're afraid of, of that character di- of a new character dying. You know, it's that it's the seven five three fear that we it's were talking about. It's restarting a character from scratch again. Right. It's why underground theater had floor XP. Mm-hmm. It was well dr- that was one know. of the things Bob says in our
2: interview. Right. He explicitly did that because he wanted people to be able to go hard. If you died, it's okay. Right. We reset in a few years. If you die, it's okay. So is power gaming bad? I think that anything taken to extremes is bad. I mean, we did a whole episode on how that playing to win, playing to lose, and playing to live could all be taken to an extreme that takes away from the experience for other people. You could lose so hard that you pull all the air out of the room. Right. You could win so hard that you take everybody else's options away from them. And in a way, you can lift so hard that you you take all of your own choices away and and just do
0: what everybody else is doing. So anything can be taken too far. Well, power gaming is a much more interesting topic when it's bad. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with then, what are the good things about power gamers? Oh,
1: they know the rules.
0: That's right. I I tell you what, as a storyteller,
2: having that one person who knows every rule in your game... Especially if they're not a jerk about it. Right. Oh, you, you can e- just be like, I don't want to look this up. What's okay. the rule? So
1: you mean Jason Witten.
2: Witten's a good choice.
1: Witten. Oh, he, he's like my favorite power gamer. Because I just go, does this work? And he go... No, it doesn't.
2: No, nope, that's not yeah, how that works. That's not how
1: that works. Even right. if it's like detrimental to himself, like she sure. was
2: always, always honest about and that. It's one of the reasons why a lot of times those people make great STs mm-hmm. because they have system mastery.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's that thing where like I think Jason uh, he sees the math, he sees sure. the patterns, yes. and I also think he enjoys the challenge of figuring out the math and mm-hmm. patterns. So, yeah, they, they do. They really know, the, really know the rules, and they're also super passionate about the game. Mm-hmm. They're good for people who have new characters that need somebody to help them make one that can compete.
1: <sighs> yeah. You
0: yeah, know? especially if somebody's joining a, a gaming party, like, halfway through a campaign or, or a LARP mm-hmm. that's been running for a while. Those, those power gamers are great to help a new character build, you know, be effective. And they usually want to help because they see the advantage of having other people who are playing
2: closer to their level in the game. Or more fun. Or who are at least useful, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I also, if you
2: pitch it to them right, they're like, this person can make my character more interesting
0: because we're going to have a tie now. And right. I, I get access to this as long as you don't let that overbalance. And sometimes, too, it's about they're able to see those new and different maths and patterns because the character that they're helping build is so different than the one they built for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But they they definitely, you know, share a passion for your game. And that helps with uh, even just they'll tell other people about your game. Right. Because they're passionate. Because they love it. They also drive it can also drive plot. Well, because they are
2: what do we call it uh, goal oriented goal-oriented players, if you have a game that depends heavily on plot, then you've got somebody who's pursuing it, taking notes a lot of times and figuring out the choices that you made in game, hopefully to uh, you know you know what I'm saying because yeah, I some do. people can figure out like like Marty, my wife, I hate watching mysteries with her because she's got genre knowledge. Right. So she's like, it's yeah. that dude, why? He's got a mustache.
0: Yeah, and you're like, what? <laughs> he's got a mustache. It's like, him. We've, like, watched, we've watched 12 minutes of this. How yeah. do you know who did it? The murder's not even happened yet. <laughs> mustache. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just something
2: like that. And so, like, some of them have that. But also, yeah. their characteristic notes. They, they're they like, hey, if this is happening, it means in this setting, in this genre, with these mechanics, it means that this guy has to have done this. Yeah. Which can be really good, because other people are like, oh, well, that means this. And they play off each other, and you get really cool and you so, can build cool
0: stories that way. And it helps. Just sometimes, it just helps to defeat the bad guys. Gosh, sometimes as a storyteller, you're like, this plot has just gone on way too long because no one will just take the initiative and go roll this guy. Somebody
2: yeah. needs to run the combat. Yeah. So we get
0: the guy who likes running combats to just go do
2: it. You yeah. drop the
0: hints that direction, and yeah. then boom, he, that that guy's dead. So that's kind of the um, that, that's kind of the positives about it. It's positive. it's positive. It's positive. So let's let's talk a little bit about what what can make a power gamer. Not so good for your game.
2: Well, some of them try to dominate everything. You know, they're not really team players.
0: Very rarely are they team (laughs) players. It's because they can do it all themselves. Mm -hmm. They've maxed their sheet up. Another way that it disrupts the team is, like, after the combat, when you loot the bodies, like, they fight for the magical sword because they're the one with the highest sword power.
1: I'll do the most damage with that. You have to
0: give it to me because I'll be I'll be best.
2: I've known power gamers in D&D-style games that, that demanded to get to roll for every single item, whether it was helpful with their character or not. Just because, because they wanted it. They wanted it. They knew that even if it wasn't helpful to them... They could
0: use it to do something. You know the irony, though, is that in most games that I've ever played in, if there is a party, if we are a party, we're a group, and we kill something... And there is a magical sword. There's one magical sword there, and there's five of us. The truth is, if we're a good party, we want the guy who's the best with the sword mm-hmm. to have the magical sword. Sure. If he'd just not be a dick about it, we'd give it to him, right? That's true. right. But instead, they're like, "I gotta have that because I have the most. I have the most. I have the most, uh, have the most fighter powers." <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, then you're like,
2: like, "I have to keep the sword so next time when the staff comes up, I can trade him for it." Right? Yeah. Suddenly, <laughs>
0: suddenly you, yeah. So yeah, they can they can fight over the treasure
2: of weapons. What what else No, oh, this is the one that I hate the most. When they shame you for not
0: having an optimized character. Oh, uh, like they look over and they're like, you know, if you had, if you had just bought this skill with that one, you would have you'd be bidding like twice as many traits.
2: And you've yeah. wasted mm-hmm. so many points because you've been buying this other stuff that's meaningless.
1: Yeah, like why? Why do you need lore?
2: Why did you buy knitting? Well, I my mean, character's a knitter. Yeah, but yeah, it but doesn't you help couldn't, you.
0: Could have hat. spent that XP on fighting.
1: Right, and Do you could just role play that you need. I've so. gotten so much good role play from knitting. They need to shut
0: up. <laughs> yeah, I you know
2: in Ryan's book there's a chapter, well, what what is the thing where you talk about useless skills can be the most fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've certainly had characters who had useless skills and I built the whole character well, around hold
1: it. Hold on, I would just like to point out that I always make sure that my knitting needles are wooden.
2: <laughs> so in a vampire <laughs> game, you can So stay- I always
1: cool. have a weapon on me.
2: In my werewolf Game, mm-hmm. if I have knitting needles, they're going to be silver. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: well, I can't because it For spite. Me. Yeah. They also, you know, the other part of not being team players is that they can be ST hogs. Okay, uh, so
2: here's something to think about because I'm guilty of this. My character sheet might not be optimized, but I'm pretty good at doing the kinds of things that STs want to do. Right? So that means I'm not power gaming my sheet. But I am power gaming the game. As in, I know what they're looking for, so I give it to them. Yeah. And that means they give me all their time. And I don't do it on purpose. And I didn't even realize I was doing it for a long time until I was like, I just spent two hours <laughs> with the STs and everybody else was sitting around yeah. three games in a row. <laughs>
0: but sometimes it's like I am I am a power gamer who is the best at the swords, And so I've done, I've read all of the books and I know that on page 57 of volume three, uh, (laughs) it talks about, it talks about this super powered sword that's plus five. And so, uh, while everybody else sits around and eats their Doritos, I'm going to take the DM into the kitchen and talk to him about how I'm going to go get that sword. And then for the next hour and a half, that's what we run. Like that happens.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's the worst. Especially if you're that DM and you're like, I've got to get through this. Especially if there's no Doritos.
1: In the kitchen, yeah. And it's even worse. mm, mm -hmm. That's
2: why I always drink when I ST. Because then I can be like, hey, buddy, go fuck yourself. (laughs) 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 I'm not running that tonight. (laughs) I've had too much gin to
0: care about your power gaming bullshit. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, So another way that that they can be uh, not positive is, you know, they, they might... They don't always... Power gamers don't always have characters that fit the game they're playing. By that, you mean like they made a character that's mechanically very powerful,
2: but because of the choices they had to make, they don't really fit in with the rest of the game.
0: Well, I think that's some of it. I also think some of it is, uh, you know, they, they maybe didn't make something that would... Would help the party, but instead they made something just that they would be number one at. Oh, I've been guilty of that. I I played in a
2: tabletop game that was similar <laughs> to D anD. d And I sat down and took everything that made me, <laughs> funnily enough, the best swordsman there.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: all the flaws I had to take to do that meant that I was a jerk because I mechanically enforced. Yeah. Because of the flaws I had to take, but also it meant that I overshadowed the other people who
0: had been fighting. Right. And for no reason other than to do that. And that can make it feel like your character just belongs in a different genre or a different type of story. Like, because you prefer combat over over role play and everybody else in in the game prefers role play over combat. Mm-hmm. You just don't fit.
2: Yeah, that's true. They if could have spent st- all your points on one thing and nobody else wants to do that. You don't fit.
0: And everybody else is going to have a bad time or you're going to have a bad time. Or sometimes it's about seeing seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for that extra plus five, you know. And so they've got their entire their entire build for the next thousand XP pre-planned. Uh, so there's no there's no organic choices, right? And regardless of the story, they know what their what their arc is from that's, here on. That's
1: it. the problem I had with the three point five,
2: and Pathfinder it could be guilty of that too. I like both games a lot. Oh, I did not because I
1: don't play that way. No, and so they. I was just like, what do you mean I have to decide what I'm at 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 level 10? Then I was like, what's level 10? And um, I couldn't play it. Like, I couldn't think that far ahead. And so I was just like, yes, but if my character meets goblins and I need to learn how to speak goblin, I won't have XP for it. Right. Right. This is dumb. You know, like, I didn't like it. This
2: is going to sound strange, but in organized play for LARP and organized play for Tabletop, I ran into more people that – I've ran in. The culture was such that I had to plan ahead more in organized play for tabletop, and I thought that was weird because you're only play, you're sitting here with five or six people, right? Yeah. But they feel like they're playing with the thousand people that are in the org, not the five people at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. heck, I don't know, maybe four or five thousand. I have no idea. I mean, people's in. Right. How else can can power gamers you know be be bad? Oh, uh, they brag. Oh. I used to play with a guy who would constantly tell you how he could kill your character. Was, and he, it, was, he was it me? No, okay. no. Because I've got a secret. Because just, I could. No, I'll <laughs> just chop him, <laughs> I'll be chopping him right in the throat. <laughs> uh, I, I played with a guy who was terrible about that. Every day he'd be like, hey, you know that character you've been playing for three years and you've got all this XP and you've spent all this time figuring stuff out? I bought this power, a character creation that you didn't know you could get. And so it it explicitly defeats everything that you
0: have, right. This is interesting because like at this point we we I just want to note that all these things about that that could make power gamers bad players are they just because they're bad players to begin with I mean like if you're a bragger you're a bragger, and it's annoying out of character, whether it's about the mechanics or not if you're
1: maybe it's not so much that power gamers are bad but When a bad player power games,
0: then it becomes the the thing.
2: The the power
0: gamer, yeah.
2: Well, and I think that because power gamers can hijack a game mechanically so easily, it feels worse than when somebody say, you know, we were talking about people who die and suck all the air out of the room, or or pull all the drama to them. At least you have something to interact with with those people. Sure. So even if you, that's not what you want, there's something to do. But mm-hmm. when that power gamer says, "I'm going to just do this whole combat by myself," yep, well, I'm just sitting here now, right? yeah, so there's it feels worse a lot of times in play,
0: and I think that kind of leads to to the one true biggest legitimate issue with power gamers, and it's that they create difficult balance issues for their storytellers mm-hmm. you know if if I've got a party of of six that's in my game and one of them is a power gamer, and the other five are not, then every time we go into combat, I'm thinking about how do I create a combat that is challenging enough for that power gamer, but isn't going to roll the other five of my players. Right. I'm going to say
2: that's a no-win situation because I've seen it happen. You overestimate, and you accidentally take that guy out early, and now you're like, "Ah, oh, crap, how do I pull this back and make it seem fun for everybody else? Without it kind of breaking their immersion. Or you don't challenge them whatsoever because at the end of the day, you are not as good as they
0: are. Right. And the big reason why this is a, a problem, too, is because not all encounters need to take all night. No. And, and if I'm having to custom craft them for those different varying levels of, yeah. of power, they always take longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in, pl- in, in running, but in planning also. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with power gamers? Well, you know what you always say. take them to coffee. I was gonna mm. say take' them out back, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean so I think the first thing if is the
1: coffee's out back yeah right right
0: I mean handle mm-hmm. I certainly agree agree the The very first thing is just with you whenever and we say this every time we talk about any sort of problem player, if you have a player that is disrupting your game intentionally, not intentionally. Uh, To great extremes or small extremes, you know, if if the answer is not immediately throw them out, then the answer is usually take them out to coffee between games and just have a conversation with them about what the issue is. Just
1: be like, dude.
0: Dude. Dude. Hey, this is an issue. Right.
2: Most people, people can't fix what they don't know is broken. And a lot of them don't realize that what they're doing is in any way disruptive. Especially when you consider some of these uh, causes for power gaming were accidental. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they've made a choice to have more mechanically competent characters because they want to get to to be important. Right. And you can't, you have to sit down and say, you can be important without that in my game. Especially
0: You have to follow through, though. Or if you even just tell me as a storyteller that you need, you want to roleplay these kinds of opportunities, as a storyteller, I will find ways to make sure that you can do that without having to spend all your XP on power gaming mechanics. You get to learn Goblin if you want to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's the, the kind of the, the first standby. But, so, what's but, some bad things you can do to mess that up? Ooh, take away <laughs> their take away the power.
2: So just nerf them. Yeah, just nerf them. Why is that bad? I mean, the power is the problem, right, Carrie?
1: Look, I'm just saying, I never made it to level ten. <laughs> uh,
0: never take away the, that player character's power because uh, nerfing just builds resentment. Mm-hmm. In Werewolf, there was uh, a a gift. It was uh, an elder an elder gift. And it basically said, poof, you don't have any werewolf abilities now. Oh, I hate that. I just make you a human. Oh, you outwarmed me once. I still hated it. (laughs) It's no fun. But those those kind of things, like when you take away all of those powers, you're taking away choices. You're taking away uh, opportunities. You're taking away role play. All you're doing is making them angry at you, Uh, especially because if they power gamed even... A little bit on purpose. If there was even a little bit of intention to their power gaming, you're specifically targeting what they worked so hard to do. They feel called out. They feel called out. And ultimately, I think that you're punishing them for your mistake as a storyteller for approving it on their sheet to begin with. Yep. So if they had something that
2: was just too much, that first step of talking to them and trying to work together, figure out a solution might be better? Yeah. Yeah. It was...
1: So frustrating when I was storytelling in an org and players from other games would, when they would come to my game and myself and my staff, I mean, it happened when both of you were on, on staff with me.
2: Oh, yes, that um, game.
1: We'd look at these sheets and we'd have to cross off. And, you know, the same you thing know, happened to thing, me when I
2: traveled to other games. Right. You it, feel guilty
0: for it. Yeah, you, you should. feel
1: guilty, but you, you also have to protect the game you're in. Right. You know, and it'd be like, "Why do you? You're a vampire. Why do you have thieving talons of the magpie?" You know, for good no.
0: reasons. Yeah, good I won't played for two years to get uh, that. I do what, what you're saying is the best defense against uh, having power gamers in it's your a good game. Good offense is don't approve the walkie shit to begin with. Given.
1: That yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs> so one of my favorite things to do during UT check-in, <laughs> <national laughs> guys, would say, "Do you have anything stupid?" And they would always be like. Uh, yes. I'm like, it's not approved. I I'm not even looking at it. Yeah, if, if you're going
1: to, if you it, know it's dumb, then, then yeah. you
2: don't get it. I <laughs> oth- th- then they would tell me and I would always be like, yep. <laughs> my, my
1: other favorite thing is, Jason, when we'd be approving sheets, Jason would go, oh, look at this. And he'd just show me their sheet. And he would be pointing at something really mundane. Right. But they couldn't see what he was pointing at. And I'd go, we'll deal with it later. And we'd <laughs> hand the sheet back to them. And these players would panic.
0: <laughs> would panic Start scouring their sheet for trying something. Trying to
1: figure what, out yeah. what we were doing.
0: So I think that you, you know you have to not approve it to begin with. And some of that is the reality is that we know. Storytellers, you know who the power gamers in your game are. Double check them. So double check them. Mm -hmm. You know, our show notes actually say restrict them, but I don't think I like that version. No, I think that's too far. Basically, okay, here's an example from work.
2: There is a job called scaffold inspector. You make sure that the scaffolds are built properly, right? You know which foreman build good scaffolds, so you don't have to check them as well. Because you know this is going to be fine. You go up, you make sure, okay, yes... Everything's basically okay. I don't have to check every single sort of thing. But you also know that some people are shitty, right? Yeah. And shitty people, you have to check really thoroughly. Yeah. And sometimes you fail
0: them without even looking because you know they're trying to slip something past you. It's this balance of, uh, you know, you're balancing fairness mm-hmm. with preventing unfairness. Right?
1: Yeah. It's, that's why it's always good if you have a second set of eyes
0: mm-hmm. to
1: look when you're uh, you approving. A,
2: a power gamer that's on your side? Yeah. Right. Yeah. To say, hey, get what's
1: yourself, the
0: bullshit here? Get yourself a
1: Jason Witten.
0: I've also found that if you just have a conversation about the unbalance, the potentially unbalancing thing that's on the sheet mm-hmm. when they want to buy it, like, sometimes there was, I don't even remember what it was now, but there was a, I think it was in Werewolf, there was a gift or something that basically when you bought it, it was like, at any time you could walk up to the storyteller and they'd have to give you the answer to the plot. Oh, I hate like that. Like, it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there may have even been a, a challenge involved. Who cares? You, know, but, you just do it every, you do it, till you win. Right. And so, like, when somebody buys that, you say, okay, I'm going to allow you to buy this because it is a neat power. However... I need you to not use it every single time a goblin shows up. Right. Yeah. Right? Save this for when you guys are really stuck on story and don't know what to do next, then I'm happy to let you use this power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want you know? good stuff,
2: use it sparingly. Right. If you want the least amount of information I'm obligated to give yeah. you, use then it every go. day. That's right. <laughs> that's
0: right. Uh, and I'd also say, you know, while we're talking about storytellers approving wonky stuff, you got to be careful of, of what they call splat books. You know, like the, the secondary books. Like in Vampire, it would be the clan books or right. the tribe books. Or in uh, uh, in old school D&D, it would have been like the complete book of thieves. Lots you know? of those books, I mean, uh, m- most of the big for-profit games, you know, by that
2: I mean they're published for money. Right. Have books that come out on some sort of regular b- basis. Supplement books. Right. Supplements. Yeah, supplements. Yeah. And supplements to sell well will frequently be better than the ones before them. It's a terrible practice, and they're, right. people are trying to get better, but it still exists. Yeah. So back when I was in the cam, you would see whole groups of people shift what they were going to play based on what Splatbook is going to come out because <laughs> yeah. they knew that it was mechanically superior to what already existed right. because
0: each one was a little better. You have to be careful of them as a, as a person approving character sheets because they're not always fully tested with... All of the existing prior rules. You know what? We've all participated... Well, we've participated in
2: playtests several times, mm-hmm. and playtests will find stuff. Yes. Nothing finds stuff like 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people playing. Right. They're going to find
0: combinations that nobody had any clue existed. And by the time a splat book comes out, the truth is the game's not playtested anymore. Not really. Not no. not at the level that it was when right. it first came out. And so so these splat books will sometimes create like power combos... That That's just nobody even thought of, right? You know power gamers don't necessarily write a lot of books.
2: they're not that. They don't write that sort of stuff usually, right
0: right
1: But they certainly pick them apart.
0: They pick them apart. What about when you're in combat? Is there anything that you can do when dealing with with you know when you've got a the, the, an unbalanced fighting party because of a power gamer? Okay, so like I can give a
2: specific example from Vampire. If somebody is really good physically, you can usually hit them with something mental or social. There's usually a weak point if you're looking for a mechanical solution. Yeah, challenges are not always physical. Challenges are not always physical. Monsters don't have... The the most dangerous thing I ever ran while I was the uh, OST of, of UT was... Okay, sorry. It wasn't for you. Okay. The most dangerous thing I ever ran when I was the uh, OST of UT was uh, like a 14-year-old Malkavian girl who uh, was not an elder or anything, but I had all of the powers that make people go crazy, and I <laughs> had dominate so I could tell people what to do, and because I was, I had two or three social powers that I could use against all my physical guys, and then I just had a couple of f- things to hold them off of her long enough for her to, to end combat, essentially, by making them run away and right. stuff like that. There's other solutions.
1: Along that same vein, though, I'd also like to point out one of the things you can do in in any kind of combat is if you're dealing with a power gamer is do not let them rush you. Oh no!
0: Absolutely, yes. Because because power. The step gaming, forward.
1: It, 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 well, it's like I, I don't even know that they're trying to be manipulative. They just get so like.
0: It's that passion. They're so it, passionate yeah, about the so game. Passionate they're
1: so that you're like that as a as someone running the game. It's almost like ah oh, okay sure yeah that works you know like no if you need to take a a second and look at the book look at the book right you know like don't don't let their passion overwhelm you into just doing whatever
0: they want and you know you can target you know you can target a little bit i know that we don't like to say that but the truth is you can you can throw the larger enemy at the power gamer and the Mm -hmm. throw the weaker enemy at the weaker characters it's not always practical and again you know we talked about it earlier this idea that like it makes combats take longer it's not ideal but you can do that the the trick is you can't just arbitrarily make all encounters harder because that hurts those less powerful characters. Uh, You know, there's a great thing I was listening to uh, a while back about
2: Bafferlarps where this guy was like, I needed to come up with some challenges for these people who were super mechanically powerful. And I wanted to run combats that they were going to like again. So what he did was, is he made it so that they were attacked by little things that couldn't really kill them, but he always had them doing something else at the same time. Like, you've got to pick this lock, but you've also got to fight off these five goblins. So, right. you've put pressure and tension into the scene. They don't think they're going to get killed, but they are afraid of failing at the secondary task. Well, it's actually the primary task, right. and the combat is the secondary one. You just present it to them the other way around. Yeah. Like, you have to jump from these stones and not fall in the water while fighting, and also keep this evil wizard from casting a spell by distracting them. You've given them a whole bunch of different things to do and not just roll dice
0: for combat. Right. And you can do that in D&D. You can do that in anything. What you can't do is exploit their weakness in every single combat. For example, if you have... Let's just pretend this... We're talking about superheroes, right? Uh-huh. And you've got, like... Are you trying to say, don't use Kryptonite every week? Yes. If one of your characters in the game is Superman and the rest are all Jimmy Olsons, you know, the you way you run the wrong game, it's real. Well, yeah, <laughs> or the very
1: right game. But the <laughs> real,
0: the instinct, though, is, well, that's OK. I'll just make sure that every bad guy they fight also happens to be carrying Kryptonite. Right. Right. Because it'll it'll nerf Superman a little bit and bring him down to the same level as the others. But the problem is, eventually, they're going to catch on and be frustrated in the same way that you are frustrated, you know, when you watch a Superman TV show and every single week the bad guy has kryptonite. How right. many
1: different versions of kryptonite are there?
0: Uh, it's like 12 or 13. Yeah. Ridiculous. It gets One old. of them makes him gay. What? Yeah, it's in the
2: Wikipedia article. You can read it.
1: That's dumb.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, but kryptonite largely, other than regular st- normal old kryptonite, is dumb. Like there's one version that makes him have a bug head.
0: Right.
1: Okay, that's cool.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> well, I know it goes. Cool. It's funny. I don't know if it's cool. Bucket is cool. I'm yeah. I'm
1: down with Superman. Bloodhead. Well, you
0: know the last thing that you can do with power gamers in your game uh, is don't deal with them at all. And by that, I just mean maybe your game is all power gamers, and that's how you enjoy playing. Then or, awesome. There's do one that. or two
2: power gamers, and everybody is fine with it.
0: Yeah, then they're like, it. oh, this guy helped me make my character better. I'm happy. Ultimately, play the game that you want to play because uh, that's what that's but, how you win mm-hmm. that's because you're having fun because you're playing the game that you yeah. like as powerful. long as as long as playing the game that you like is not ruining it for everyone else at the table
2: yep
0: wait a minute <laughs> is yep. that a new thing <laughs> let's <laughs> go to game wrap welcome to game wrap that means this is the end. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you listen to your stuff. We're on Twitter, at Honor You can go to facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. Send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. And, of course, you can always become a patron at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. I have
1: sent any postcards lately.
0: Really? Thanks to Sam. More people need to get postcards. Yeah. And the only way to get a postcard is to become a patron. I Mm -hmm. thought you were going to say have fun. I know, me too. I was tempted. You were tempted? Okay. Well, let's give out experience points. Okay. Mm. All right, Jason, uh, I'm docking you 10 XP for the uh, gay kryptonite. I'm not the one who wrote it. No, but some things are just so dumb Mm -hmm. that they bleed. Oh, that's fair. And that, that kind of bleeds down on you. So you get 90 XP instead that's of 100. Fine. That's still so. enough to level up to a million. <laughs> <laughs> you should what? see how I've spent my XP. Oh, Trust me. There, Don't right. look at my sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, you get the full 100 XP. Ooh. Uh Because, uh, you know, you're awesome. No. You're just awesome. I'm
1: just awesome. Yeah. Some more of
0: that wife XP. Super awesome. Uh-huh. No, the, her, the wife XP is the additional 10 points <laughs> that she gets. Wow. Totaling 110. Uh, Can uh, I bounce
1: that?
2: Sure. All right. I'd like to bounce it to Superman because he had to deal with that stupid kryptonite. Yeah. There's a million different types of stupid kryptonite.
1: Look, I'm giving Superman 10 XP. He doesn't need XP. Hey!
2: (laughs) He's got all the XP already. He's got a bug head. Leave him alone.
0: No. All right. Well... This has been Ryan, the curmudgeon, and Carrie, the legend, and Jason, the favorite. Uh, and join us next week when our topic is uh, actually a live play in which Carrie and I run a LARP in which Jason plays a guy mowing our lawn. Ooh. Ah, I can pretend to mow your lawn for sure. No, 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 no. This is it's I don't live action. I'm, it, I'm
2: not that no, immersed. It's a live action. <laughs> right, I'm doing the... Uh... This is a blockbuster blockbuster version <laughs> mowing LARP. This is more of a pearl LARP. I'm gonna throw chops at home and pretend I did it. Uh... That's how I played vampire for years
0: i <laughs> just phoning it in yeah is there a, is there a better way <laughs> yes Bob said Bob did say <laughs> yeah murder no. entire city no. <laughs> no. to the ground no. no all right well until next time remember the only way to run a role playing game is to have fun is to have fun oh, power game and mow my lawn opinions expressed on the Honorable Podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com.